1: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Sorry we missed you last week. First update is d is going to be released episode one next Monday. Yes. So uh, if you want to check that out, click the link in the description. It'll take you over to subscribe and check that channel out um, a few days after this goes up. First topic, uh, big drama, big drama, big, big drama. drama. <laughs> I promise you i have more than drama to say about it. Uh, there's this guy named Sneeko on the internet who has been kicked off of uh, Twitch and YouTube, I believe for red pill type stuff in the past. Um, got into a, a little internet drama with another creator by the name of Moist Critical Penguin Z Zero, um, and he had Sneko had insulted the attractiveness of his girlfriend. They went back. They showed each other their guns. They called each other cucks. Um, it was it was all interesting. What I think is, and then the internet collapsed upon Sneko because um, he shot first. They say that style thing. What is more interesting about all of this has been watching Sneeko evolve. I watched his content when he was a younger kid, and I thought he was remarkably insightful and honest and brave for his Hmm. age. He would go up there and talk about insecurities that he had. He would give takes that were not immediately um, well-received or they weren't the popular take at the time, but I detected an authenticity to... A young man figuring out who he was saying things as he saw it with without a tremendous amount of uh, attempt to be please, cool please, yeah. <laughs> yeah like and if he was trying to be cool he'd be like I want to be cool I'm trying to be cool um, and so one of the things that I worry about is I don't worry about this but I but I, I think I see this and I think it's a problem is that he has since he uh, started liking the red pill stuff. Um, really fell in with Andrew Tate and enjoys a lot of his content. Andrew, I think Tristan Tate at one point said, You're, you have to carry on our legacy. And he was like, oh!
2: <laughs> I mean, that's how
1: I know him, is the uh, yeah. red pill guy that's like yeah. a minion of Andrew Tate. Um, and so I think what, I relate to some of what he's going through. And here is why. I think that, for me, and for many young men in their twenties, there is this experience of you find out that one thing that the matrix told you is wrong. And for me, that was there were two things. One, the way it told me to, that to get girls to like me was wrong. It told me, and I suffered throughout this through my high school, dote upon her dream about her you're think saying about like her movies you saw what yes. romanticism was yes this is the matrix what yes. you saw the matrix this is like <laughs> <laughs> and and to the degree where like th- this this was at the beginning uh the girl that i liked at one point like hit, like i went into a dunkin donuts and she like do- wouldn't look at me or talk to me and i didn't use that as a thing to like separate from her she also had this thing which we were both young where then she would like And AOL instant message me and be nice to me and then hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold me. Um, And I I understand that more as an adult. But at the time, it was just like, well, all I'm supposed to do is just love and like her even more um, throughout all of this. I'm the rock. Disney (laughs) Channel movies. Yes. And uh, whatever was in the media at the time. And so I got hot, cold, strung along for a long time. And it was painful. And when I did pull back, she was even nicer to me. And then I read the game and it told me, be a bit more of a challenge. Use this line to tease a girl in a bar. And I did it and th- then there were laughters and there was more interest. And I was like, the world is a lie. Everything is fake. Nothing can be trusted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And the same thing happened with my career, which was uh, you have to do it. You know, you got to get a nine to five. You can be a lawyer or a doctor or this. Those are the top tier jobs, maybe even finance. Um, that was breaking into the scene. And I did this internet thing. There wasn't a single a single authority figure or adult that actively supported me. I thank mom and dad for like really allowing and not threatening me at all. They yeah. had their worries, but like they did not get in my way. Yes. Um, but nobody was like, yes. Yes. And uh, then I broke out of it, found a life that seemed much more enjoyable than what my peers were doing, and even what my parents and And became a zealot in both fields. And I became a zealot. Yeah. And I was telling people, like Sneeko, you're wrong. This is wrong. This is not the way. I was. I was evangelical, knocking on people's doors, bringing them the gospel. Yes. And it was only with time that I learned one: this is not for everyone. The challenges faced by like one having you know walking up to a girl at a bar is not something everybody wants to deal with. They might want to meet somebody in their social circle in a more <laughs> relaxed setting. Um, two, that's not necessarily the best way to meet like a long-term partner, though it can happen. Like what I had thought, like this is what women and men's relationships are, are these like suns- sunsets and you go out and be really cool at the thing and all like that, that isn't the only way. And that, the career stuff is most people are not made for it. They really aren't. And I didn't realize that there was something in me that had a higher tolerance for the ambiguity and uncertainty of entrepreneurship. Um, so that I felt guilty at times when I had like pushed, push, pushed people and then it wasn't right for them. Yeah. All that to say, I understand what it is like to be a young man convinced that everyone else is wrong and screaming at the top of your lungs that everyone needs to change. Thank God for me though, much of that is not on camera. Mm. all of those obnoxious things are not being held against me and when I did start to evolve and change my mind there was no one to say yesterday you said this and you were wrong so I was able to like very gracefully and I think very quickly update, adjust, iterate my beliefs and one of the difficult things is when you're on the internet and you have an audience and you are publicly shamed, cancelled, kicked off of websites two things happen one, when you do reverse people hit you even harder you Know what I mean? They, they come in. If Sneeko if today were to say, I was wrong about this or I lacked nuance, he would be mocked further. Which, I mean, think about the veganism guy, yeah, he got destroyed, right? Yeah. His entire community, he became yes. a zealot and telling everybody, debating him, yes. telling him yeah, he they, was, he, a, yes, this, this cosmic says, skeptic, I, yeah, who it's who would, and I think that that probably made whatever happened, his movement in the other direction, very difficult, yeah, because when I you're publicly out there. These are not people in your life. They do not have the same graces that a a person in front of you where there's a a fear of violence and a necessity to look at someone. So the things that you're going to receive are much more aggressive. And two, I think that one of the other things that the internet creates is that Whereas before when in my family, we're like, I left the way mom and dad and cousins and aunts and uncles did things, but I didn't find like a new community. I took some of my friends and we started our old community, which meant that necessarily we brought our value sets with us. Mm. So like very quickly, we were like, you know, this, this pickup artist stuff, they lie a lot. And we, we, we shouldn't do that because that's not, that's not the way that we want to do things. And we were almost benefited by not falling into... <laughs> like whatever they call like a a gang of pickup artists with their like top hats and jewelry a and a gaggle. <laughs> a gaggle a gaggle <laughs> is what they're called when you get like more than four when you get more than four a gaggle of pickups had i fallen into that and i saw communities like that with older men i probably wouldn't have been so sturdy in the beliefs that i brought over i probably would have said well he's it's not a lie if it's flirting that's literally a line in the game. It does. It's not a lie if you're flirting, which oh, is wow. I fucking disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would have had that guy been in my life, I probably would have taken his value set and just followed it. Um, and I think this is what happens when the the mechanics of the internet are such: you get kicked out of one community, the other community will find you, embrace you, and inculcate you with their their ideology. Well, so now specifically, specifically Sneko is in this. So thing. now Sneko is. Uh, Says he's a Muslim, even though he doesn't know any lines of the Quran, which, you know, says he's a Muslim. Um, he's, he's just, you know, trying to, he's, he's trying to establish and figure out himself. And I don't know that he would have gone as far into another camp. It becomes camp A, camp B, as opposed to merely not totally A, which is yeah. what I had the grace, or the, I keep using the word grace, the luck to do was just say, you know what, that isn't for me. But I'm not signing up for all this other stuff. I'm going to find my way. Yeah. Um, and, and I bring you along with me. Yes. And now he's literally just like saying jump <laughs> ship. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I think that that, I don't know that that's something that all of his fans will struggle with. But I think as more and more people are on the internet and have more of this stuff that they said potentially thrown in their face, um, it becomes tougher to go back. It becomes tougher to, to live with nuance. And it becomes uh I think the other thing that is, you know, unlikely to happen is like, let's imagine that there was a middle ground, even like me, a person like me who like I'm I'm not reaching out to Sneeko. I'm not asking him to hang out with me. Like, I don't want to deal with all of his yeah. chaos. The person who wants that is the other side who is recruiting foot soldiers, you know, who 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 wants that. Um and so yeah, I I I just see that there are incentives in place of course with the internet that lead to polarization and this is just me pointing to some of the ones that i hadn't articulated before um and you brought up another point that you don't think he's
2: going to be incentivized to do his evolution now in this stage with being on the
1: internet Mm -hmm. uh in front of people or just hiding it uh so if you can like talk a little bit about that so two things that got thrown in his face which i think is a real shame um i understand why though He insulted this guy, the attractiveness of this guy's girlfriend and has, you know, called people other things. But he also, Sneeko this is, has an appearance where he talks about watching the girl that he's dating sleep with another guy. I don't know if it was at a sex party or an open relationship type thing. Um, So everyone was more than happy to call him a cuck in an insulting way. Um, And he defended the movie Cuties and said that he thought that it was not uh, in support of, you know child porn or anything like that, and that the overall message of the movie, which if you remember a while ago was on Netflix, I didn't see it, I don't know, um, was about, you know, moving away from those things and the dangers of that. And I think that, unfortunately, in people's zeal to say, this guy is a hypocrite and a bad person, what they've implicitly opened up is, whatever hurts him is game. So, like, uh, the cuck insult, the your the pedophile thing the you support this like all stuff that people excerpted from their dislike of him they would not make these arguments to other people in their community mm. and so like um they they hit him with um and i and i understand because they're hitting him because he's a hypocrite and he is very judgmental of other people's lifestyle and is says that you're not man enough if you don't do it this way you know that's that's uh, sort of in his ethos and then has this glaring seeming contradiction in terms of his past sex experiences. Um, but unfortunately, I think what that does is that most times shaming people on their way out the door, whether this is like, you know, you're, you're in an argument or it's on the Internet, um makes it less likely that a reconciliation ever occurs even though it is wildly empowering in the moment to just be like oh yeah well you're a yeah yeah um yeah and i meant like if i of course this isn't what the internet would ever do and i don't know that i would be able to do this in the moment but i have felt both of these urges in me at times when i'm upset the one that is like i can speak true words that can hurt you right now which is what i want to do or I can hold my breath or take some deep breaths and try to find a bigger thing of like a deeper truth, which is I see how hurt you are. I see how lost you are and, I, and you're hurting me and I don't want to be near you, which is uh, more mature and I think has more opportunity and creates more space for that person to grow without um, unpacking the barbs. That's yeah. not to say that you can't call out hypocrisy you can, but when the intent is to wound, which by the way, I do definitely do. I'm not saying I'm better than this. It, it just makes it less likely that there will be a reconciliation and polarization continues. I I mean, if I'm Sneeko,
2: I am not telling people my vulnerable stuff mm -hmm. anymore. Like I'm hiding that. And you mentioned this prior off, off the um, podcast that, uh, I'll just act like I've made changes and then, you know, hold all my vulnerable stuff that I, he had shared years prior, uh, for fear that people will use that to, like you said, have barbs against me. And so, um, the, the chances that I, if I were Sneeko that I grow is just going to be in a way that's like pretty inauthentic and just for the camera. And then probably nothing off, like in a way, not off camera. Am I growing? I'm just like, when the camera turns on, I act like a different person. And when the mm-hmm. camera turns off, um, Make sure it's really off because (laughs) people will use that shit against you
1: when they hate you. Or, and I think you never, like, if he was doing sexual experimentation and finding out and testing that open relationship, you say, screw that, I'm going to move to an ideology that appears more defensible, which is the full-on Andrew Tate, I keep my women under control, and, oh. and, you just, and you just adopt what has been proven to be a more impregnable ideology that you now need to live by. Which might not be him either Which, which, it, which may not be appropriate or yeah. right for him. Yeah. Um, and I do, you know, I think... I think Andrew Tate is also someone who clearly has issues with vulnerability. Uh, you yeah. know, listening to his final message, I talked about this on a past podcast of not being supported when he when kids picked on him and uh, the only time, you know, not the only time, when he cracked a kid in the face with his lunchbox, his dad said nothing except bought him to get another lunchbox and told him I'll buy you as many of these as you need. Is like, yeah, well, I see why Andrew Tate uh, doesn't do vulnerability and instead does violence. Yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. It yeah, makes yeah. a lot yeah. of sense. Uh Cause that has worked in his life and vulnerability didn't work. And he's not going to reopen that dead end. And he found a crowd that claps yep. when he does that. Yes. Get more lunch boxes. Get more. And he's found it today as well. Yes. Which is unfortunate. Um, cause he doesn't need it anymore. He's not in that scenario. Well now in jail, he does need it. Yes. He's, he's in jail. probably, he needs that, yeah. that hardness. Yep. Um, but he didn't, there was a period of time where he could have softened. Yep. And, uh, I'm sorry that he didn't, did not take that opportunity. Right. Couple other things. Um, we're gonna hop around. Coffeezilla. He made a good point, which I've made about sponsorships before, which is uh, with the FTX stuff. So uh, several promoters, several promoters, influencers promoted FTX, and uh, crypto exchange that went crypto down. Crypto exchange that went down. Sam bigman freed It was a scam. And there's, it's understandable to one degree because there was a reasonable expectation that. Um, that this was more bank-like in the way that they held deposits. And it was not. They gambled people's money, and they lost it. But his point, which I think is very fair, and this is true of almost every level of leadership, I see, is that people are unwilling to take responsibility when it comes time to pay the bills. So Meet, so meet Kevin went on to CoffeeZilla's, just called in via his phone. He said, well, we got to have some personal responsibility here. Yes, I, I recommend this, but it's your job to do the due diligence. It's Ooh. your job to do this. And the best point against it is, which is fine, fair, How much of the affiliate code or of the money that FTX paid you did you distribute to people for their personal responsibility to sign up with your link? None of it. So on the upside, you take full responsibility for influencing them to to enter into this contract and to get the money. You're willing to 100%, no need to distribute anything else. But when things don't go well, all of a sudden, all of the responsibilities on the. how much money are you going to give back? None and I think that is exposed. That is an accurate exposition of what is a uh, when it serves me view of personal responsibility, which is I will take all the credit for your decisions when it pays me. And I think this is easy to do as a boss, which is when you're doing well, I'm going to take all the money. I'm not going to redistribute it. There's no bonuses. There's no equity sharing. There's no whatever. Um, and, you know, flip side is you, uh, <laughs> when, when things go bad, uh, I'm going to make sure that I get paid first, whatever now. I guess it doesn't work with bosses because the risk... This is why I'm pausing. The risk on you is, like, if the business goes to zero, people do get their salaries before... At least this was what would happen at Charisma on Command before I got paid. Um, Also, like, uh, their finance gurus, their
2: entire livelihood is about telling you things that will work and you get a reputation that what you say has truth and value to it Mm -hmm. and they sell courses and advice. And then at the very end, they tell you, you know, you got to do your due diligence, but it's different. Mm -hmm. The reason... Because FTX um, or the lawyers that are suing these influencers also sued Tom Brady and lost. Mm -hmm. And they found that, you know, Tom Brady throws a football. You should do your due diligence. They just got him as a face that you would recognize to get um, a reputable person to authorize FTX. And now they're suing influencers on YouTube, uh, Mm -hmm. a whole litany of them that are finance gurus like me, Kevin, uh, the Ice coffee hour guy, and a few others, um, Andrew Jink. Because they told you FTX was a safe thing. And you've seen in the past uh, with these influencers, right? Like say that you should buy this stock or uh, this company has value because of the information I've acquired over a long year doing this exact thing. I'm an expert in this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if Tom Brady was like, this is how you throw the perfect spiral with this football. And, uh, you should buy this product. I'd be like, okay, if it doesn't fucking work, I'm coming to you, Tom Brady. Yep. But if Tom Brady's telling me to get a financial product, I'm like, you're just a face that I recognize. And, yeah. uh, you know, fortune favors the bold.
1: <laughs> That's Matt Damon, but yeah. yeah. Um, the other, th- I'm, I'm thinking of another way of imagining this, like, what is the fair way to conceive of it? And I think, I think this is the argument I could make to um, support Meet Kevin, which is mm, over the years of making free-to-access content with, you you know, there's an ad that you pay, but it's free dollar-wise. He has been creating brand value um, yeah. through his things. FTX says, I would like to purchase from you some of your brand value. And he says, okay, I'll sell you some of my brand value. When FTX goes under... The way that he suffers, which is perhaps appropriate and enough, is that his brand value goes down. Uh, and hopefully people don't listen to him as much as they might have or li- don't listen to him in the appropriate amount to the money that they lost. And they go, you know what? I'm never listening to this guy again. And he can't command the same rate of what it is to sell his brand value because he doesn't have it. And when you think about it that way, it is interesting. And this is why I don't. Yeah, that's really fair. I, and here's the thing. If, and I think, this, I think this is a really fair way of viewing it because it, it also lines up with another feeling that I have, which is I don't want to do sponsorships. I only want partnerships. Because if what I'm, and I know that this is uncommon for most podcasts, I think we've been able to do it very well with Charisma on Command with the exception of one or two, uh, is have sponsors that are genuinely additive so that when they give you money, it's like my association with you isn't me just putting your words in my mouth and selling off a chunk of my brand value, it is it's like a magical growth of brand value. So one that I would love to do with D is D Beyond. Um I think it's a great system. It's better than a character sheet. And if you haven't used it yet, your life will be improved when you when you sign up for DD and beyond like D player. Fit so then I'm building a brand value with this. They say, hey, can we give you money? My customer goes and signs up for D&D Beyond. It works really well for them, and that adds to my brand value as opposed to they signed up for FTX. That destroys my brand value. And so, yeah, this is why I don't want to sell access to the words that come out of my mouth. I want to align myself with partners that I would represent anyway and be compensated for the fact that I've built uh, a megaphone through which I'm happy to spread their message because I actually think it helps other people.
2: This is one of the criticisms with another YouTuber, Jake Tran, who would in the same video would Mm -hmm. um, out people for being scams and then promote a product that was supposed to be (laughs) anti uh, scam. So he'd say this crypto coin is crap and watch (laughs) out for this, but here's one that really works. Mm. Um, And then, you know, some of them don't market don't. And uh, he got (laughs) a lot of backlash for that.
1: Yeah, I think
2: the issue with but this... But I think, I think that's really cool to like... Because do you think uh, me Kevin's brand has gone down enough or in the right direction to represent
1: what his benefit was with yeah, FTX? I imagine it has. And this is the thing, it goes down... As long as it's publicized and this isn't a secret thing that happened, I imagine that people value his advice on average less than they did before this. Sure. Which, like, yeah, I'm not... I, which is and again, I I, I want to this particular FTX one. I do have a greater degree of compassion for, yeah, because it was fraud, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, um, and while I do think it's important for influencers to like check out the products, there is, of course, when someone is lying to you, not everyone is Coffeezilla investigative journalism, and there's a need to pay the bills. But you know, for me, I've just I've been lucky enough, and prefer to I say lucky, but also d- by design. Built a product that I have much more control over, so that I like if there was a fraud, it would have to be on like the membership plugin that like stole people's emails or something. You mm. know, I've I've limited the window by which my customers can be taken advantage of because I've made the product, um, and there's only a handful of like third party services that I use that could potentially exploit them. Right. Um. So, that is yeah. Make your own product. <laughs> it's just it's a better you have you have better control over uh. The value of it um all right next up jk rowling Mm. um so i've been listening to her podcast i haven't gotten all the way through it uh i don't think this is a thing that i spoke about but she has this line which is that she understands that the basis of her oppression to be her sex class and she's got broadly the reasons that i've heard her describe. though she may have others is that one when she was writing harry potter the publisher told her Um, We need you to use J.K. and not Joanne because little boys won't buy a book written by a woman, which I think is a shame if if true, though maybe it wasn't true. I'm not sure. I'll be honest. When I I first saw it, I thought it was J.R. Tolkien. J.R. she kind of rid off that a little bit. I thought it was R.L. Stein. I thought that was the thing that people did. Yes. You know, but that was what they told her, um, and that was why they did it. (laughs) E.B. White or whatever. Yeah, they had a lot Um, of those at that time. And then the other one was the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her first husband, I believe, who beat her, um, and at one point, like, you know, she, like, left the house, and he held her child for the night before she get the cops to come back, and she, you know, suffered at his hands. Um, and when I listen to it, I get the distinct impression, well, she says it, that she understands that the reason that happened to her because she was a woman, and that her oppression is because of that. But when I'm thinking, I go, well, Would your male son have been abused by your dad? By your husband? I think he would have. Like, I've been abused. Uh, You know, I've had men sexually abuse me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't understand the basis of my abuse to be my sex class. Though if I were a woman, perhaps I would because that's being encouraged. And I think, unfortunately, while I think that there are, I'm not going to disagree with her on certain things, but like that is low resolution thinking. I think for mm. her, um, I think a higher degree of resolution would reveal that there are predators and people who hurt, and there are people who have been hurt by them more broadly, and that they can be men or women (laughs) and you can find safer spaces (laughs) by having more yes multivariate analysis of what occurred exactly that's the word a more multivariate analysis and so unfortunately when like some of the things that she says while i don't agree there's some some of her tweets i go yeah that sounds reasonable and everybody hates her but then there's other things where i go she says um if we allow uh trans women which are biological men who are now presenting as women into female restrooms that opens the door for any man to, uh, just become a predator. And I feel like that is, to me, that strikes me as such emotional thinking, because when I think through that, I go, there's a lot of predators in the world, men on men, you know, uh, men suffer assaults far more often, uh, from other men than, than men to women, um, you have to draw it at, like, domestic abuse. In fact, the person most likely to abuse you if you're a woman <laughs> is, is your husband or your boyfriend or something like that. It is not a man who is coming into a restroom, and it is not a man who was perturbed by the lack of a door at the airport who now is, you know, like a vampire. When when invited inside, now with uh, the declaration of being a trans woman, now has free reign to abuse, It's it seems like deeply emotional thinking and reasoning to and reductive f- and to reductive what, it's to the a, point of missing it and actually yes. you're like not like even if we gave you bathrooms can't have trans yes. women or men in it you're not safe and she cares trem- and I, I okay i get this strong impression that because of her trauma she cares and is more fearful about harming women than she is about harming humans there is a class of people to whom she is obvious and I think we all have this two degrees, more connected. And it creates blind spots for her where in order to protect women, she will risk other people. And I don't mean in in she I, I, I don't reduce her like some people do to like not caring about trans people at all. I don't think that's true based on just the four hours that I've listened to of her in the podcast. Um but she seems to have a class of people that matter more as a result of her own experiences. And when I listen to her, I think that she would be, while she was at cert- at times very clear, cogent, and restrained. Um, I think she would be sharper, though probably not sharp enough to um, stop all of the uh, trans the accusations of transphobia and turf whatever. Because I think that those are sim- I think those are a mirror image of her, which is they have suffered abuse in their life, and then anyone. Uh, tripwires their sense of, oh God, this person is on that side immediately uh, is the enemy. Wow. Um, so I see it. I, I do see that occurring. And But again, it's... I mean, in that worldview, it's frustrating for
2: me because I want to be like not abused and hanging out with these fucking really bad yeah. people. Um, and uh, I have to be across the fence in this and I'm like looking through and just like it's all safe over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not invited because of... My genitalia or what she determines a biological male is. And I think that sort of misses the point. I want to go to the women's bathroom. There's pee all over the man's seats. And (laughs) I don't
1: pee on the seats. And I want to come in a clean I pick up the seat. I I
2: think I've demonstrated. I mean, I have a special... I'll sit and pee. I just
1: don't want to go to the one that's... Yeah, it's
2: crazy. (laughs) I have a special class in movies I hate when the horse dies. I think we should (laughs) sacrifice more humans to let the horse live. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, how that relates. um, She has a special class of humans called women that get to... She will sacrifice other things
1: for, uh, not sacrifice. Men. It's it's it, that's. The, I don't want to be too broad in my construction, but it is very obvious that that is where her attention goes. How are women being impacted? Yes, my women, my worldview yes. is on that horse. Yes, and I'm seeing it right into battle, and I see it go down when mm-hmm. a human could have gone down <laughs> and sure put up a shield. We know what's funny is um what you just described is uh. My girlfriend goes to, uh, she's in animal rescue, and she goes to these events where these people, where will bleeding heart, you know, SOS, two week old kitten needs bottle help. Oh my God. And then she meets them in person, and their disdain for the homeless is, ooh, remark. And this is consistent, consistent. And I actually think, um, I think that there's like an interesting trauma that drives people to various uh, professions, and we can discuss and have a fun time of what some of those are that I've sort of cataloged in my life. Yeah. But I think animal rescue is I can't deal with people and I've been harmed by people. And Absolutely. I, and I need to hang out with children and or animals. I feel this in myself. Who, who, who my I project all of the goodness of the world onto. Yep. And I take all of the badness I project it all onto people. Yep. Um, and that's not to say every animal rescue. I, I don't think that. But I think that is a broad type of trauma that is you are more likely to find in that community. Yes. Um. Yeah, a just a disdain for people. They're the people who my faith in humanity has been restored. They're the type of people that don't that need to watch a video to have faith in humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, we should go into the one of the events, ask them questions about the homeless, uh, but I mean, just
1: don't tell them if it's a cat or a human. Yes. Uh, so I've got a bunch of random things. Let me see here. I've mentioned this before. So we watched a video on FaZe Clan, which I thought was remarkable um right now you know face clan i've seen and heard their logo and i've seen the houses that they have in some of their videos what is face clan face clan is a that's a great question uh i barely know it's a company of people who are video game players that was attempting to be a media company for gen z the first company for gen z by gen z you know type of uh a thing and uh they are a collective of people that I believe almost all of whom got big playing some sort of video game. It's about five people from my understanding that was five. St- it's way
2: more to start yeah. five friends that were streamers online who were popular video gamers that combined into a clan or a group. Mm-hmm to help cross-promote each other. Yeah. And for, uh, I think, a while was really beneficial that they became one solid unit of a yeah. brand mm-hmm.
1: so that they could push their merchandise well, this and is, their products this prior. This is what is interesting is that there's this thing that I've seen happen in business, which is, and I see it as an investor, the the level of unsophisticated investing, of which I even participate in from time to time, I just go, I don't know, <laughs> you know like, uh, I trust you. Um, Or you, 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 I I trust this person they invested in, I'll follow, I think is fairly common. And uh, it's, there was this like magic valuation that's starting occurring with FaZe Clan, which was disconnected to their ad revenue, their sponsorship deals, and their this. But you put them all together, you got a finance type to go on CNBC and talk about how this is the first Gen Z company. I think we skipped a couple steps. So let's just say... For the viewer, they did this and then Suits were attracted to an investment opportunity and said, whoa, you guys are doing all these views. Yeah. What if? What if we went on, promoted you as this PR thing of Gen Z. We're going to bring Snoop Dogg on as an advisor. We're going to throw a big party. Yeah. We're going to, and it's like, and it was all, it was a lot of stuff like that. We're gonna get a house and a party. More influencers. And we'll and go, and go past video we're gonna, games. We're gonna media, and it's like it was like the Donda chart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> submarine. And uh, but technology, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there was this sprinkle of magic onto. A, a step two. It's, I'm, I'm just gonna use more references. What is the uh, South Park thing? Step one: underwear, underpants. Get uh, underpants. Are you talking about step um, two? Question butters, mark butters, Step three: profit. That's, profit. a step two question mark is is, two question mark yeah yeah and that's what this sort of was and the other interesting thing which i've mentioned is there's these specs um that are sort of like these i guess they're just aggregates of money that is fundraised that trades at a certain value it's a public company so that you can avoid some of the scrutiny scrutiny that you would need to do to launch
2: publicly all right can i tell you my interpretation you tell me if i'm wrong i don't know if you're an expert Of what a SPAC is. Okay. Because I didn't know what it was. And from my perception of watching the same video, which was, it is a larger company, which has a stock ticket, like a a, Apple APLY already went through SCC
1: SCC regulations regulations and they... As they a empty SPAC, it. they empty that and they're able to put they it leave on, money in it. Yes. And then they purchase with that public company, a private company. A smaller so
2: that, private company. Yes. They
1: smash into this thing that's already passed through SEC regulations. And this smaller company doesn't need to get to, SEC regulated. Does it, well, I don't, I'm sure that there's minutiae uh, minutia there, but yes, it allows you to circumvent a lot of that stuff that's to bring what, private okay. to public. Okay. The other thing with these SPACs, is that they have a very similar shape, which is, if you look at the price chart of the trading, it's like it's got this much money in when it. When they go public. Yeah, so it's got this much money, yada, 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 nobody's buying, etc. There's lockups on whether or not people can exit the SPAC. They launch, there's an uptick of like, oh my God, it doubled. And then there's a crater 90% down from the original thing. And that is exactly what a SPAC that I was invited to looks like. Um, it was what the phase Exactly what
2: thing the face claim like. did, which is prior to the launch, they were a SPAC put into another right larger
1: company that was purchased up. They had a launch party. They got influencers. They talked about- We're talking 300 million to $1 billion valuation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're at 30 million right now. Uh, 30 million to give you an idea. I think if I worked on Charisma on Command for a year, I think I could get a $30 million valuation. Not right now, but I think if I put effort in for- maybe- You don't even have Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Um, what if you got Snoop Dogg? If I made another course and like set up the, these are easy. If I if I made a content machine and another course, which that is way easier said than done. This is the question mark. Thirty million. Well, but again, there's like a plan. They had a yes. the fucking plan. Uh, we have revenues. We are profitable. We yes. are like <laughs> Yeah. We don't have a trillion employees. Yeah. Uh, and it's just interesting because I've always been in a different world of business that didn't have the fairy dust this business was like how much money in, how much money out, what's the valuation you can multiply. That's the, that's the world that I've lived in. But there is this other world of magic business. Oh, <laughs> which yeah. Is where you do the fairy dust, you have a launch party, and some people make money off that. It's the people who aren't locked up because a lot of the employees have a deal, which is, okay, when we go public, you can't sell for nine months. And it seems like there's an implicit or six months or three months. incentive. There's an implicit understanding that this is not going to be worth anything then. And that the people that get out at that first pop when we offer it to the market, retail, when we offer it when to we people offer to like retail, me, we're like, oh, face clamps going public. Dog's I love it. face Clan. Yes. I'll buy it. That's the people that are selling are the sharks. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it's a bummer that that happens a lot, is, is what it seems like. Um, so when are we going
2: public with Charisma Commanded?
1: We ain't. Um, <laughs> we talked about sponsorships. Um, Oh, okay. So, I want to keep the uh, the person that I'm describing a bit vague here. Um, but there's a, a person in a story that someone close to me shared, is what I'll say. Okay. There's a person that I heard about in is their interaction me? with them. No, it's not you. Sick. Um, and in that interaction, a lot of the words like... I just, you know, I'm looking out for you and I want what's best for you. And I want to make sure that this is a win win. That style of thing was said. Um, And then it was, as, you know, I unpacked it with this person, the behavior was not that. It was very confusing, but the behavior was extremely self centered. And those words were revealed to be smokescreens covering up an incredibly selfish. Uh, an incredibly selfish decision that that this other person was making while telling this other person that they were really there for them. And I was reminded of something that I think is dangerous, which is if you read like how to win friends and influence people, it tells you that you need to see things from other people's perspective. You need to find ways to help them get what they want. You need to speak in, because that's how other people are moved and that's that's what's useful. If you read that book and you take that at a very surface level, you become a dangerous person to be around because you now have the tools to speak in such a way that other people are moved, influenced, and tricked without pulling in the actual care for them getting their needs met. And this is what happened in this particular situation. So I'm sorry that I can't be more specific. Um, And it's incredibly confusing for other people because, you know, the words that you're hearing are I want what's best for you, I want this, that, and the other thing, you know, I'm I'm just doing this for you, And the behavior doesn't match that. And uh, don't do that. So like how to win friends and influence people is good. But what's really actually the much harder thing is to genuinely care that you are helping other people meet their needs and you're not merely using those phrases to get them to act in the required direction for you. Just a little thing.
2: What else do we have? J.K. Rowling, Sneeko, do you want to talk about Matt Walsh? Oh, I have
1: have a tough one. This one is uh, freaky. I'll tell you this one. Um, Anthony Padilla did a really interesting uh, conversation with someone who was two people who were involved in human trafficking. So the first thing that I'll say is that um, up until watching this video, I've heard human trafficking. It means it's not as gentle as the word sounds. It means like really aggressively or even not aggressively, like coercing people into selling their bodies for sex or whatever, getting them wrapped up in drugs, like just... Slavery? A real... It's, it's, it's not with the chains. It's like with psychological chains often and maybe... I, I, though I imagine that some human trafficking might have chains in other parts of the world. Um, what was fascinating, I'll give you the broad story, is that I think this woman was 19 at the time, rough relationship with the family, of course... This woman at work is really nice to her. And for her birthday, she takes her out to the club. They have a great time. She's getting a table. Yes. And by the way, it's, I think it's this woman's birthday. Or I don't, know, I don't know whose birthday. At the end of the night, the woman says, you owe me 600 bucks." She says, what do you mean? I thought that this was your party or I thought you were. No, no, no. And she gets in the car. She's got an outfit for her. She's got a thing. She drives her to the strip club. And she says, you got to go in there and you better earn me $600. Starts to protest, says, I know where you live. I will kill your dad if you don't go do this. Or this like, is ridiculous. I bro. know. So he- insane, Henry, insane. She goes in, immediately there's a guy who's there. He's nice to her, gives her five drinks, loosens her up. She goes in and makes six hundred dollars doing dances, comes out, woman takes the money, and she said she felt good about it at that point. She's like, Wow, I did it. You know, like, and again, the psychological destruction that I I understand how far away you've gotten from just a night out. I understand this in my own life, man. And if I didn't, I wasn't human trafficked. I was abused. If I didn't live it and I didn't know what the mind is capable of doing, I would go, Oh, you could have, you should have. I fucking get it. Um, she was then taken to a hotel where she was given drugs. I don't know if she was drugged more than, but at this point, the difference is, is like, There were two men in the room. She was given drugs, and she says she won't use the R word because she doesn't like using it, which, by the way, I fucking understand. And uh, that was the first night, and they assaulted her, but you can use a worse word than that if you want to imagine it. Um, And then that went on for a while, and the way that she started to get out of it was now she's working at the strip club. She's, like, been that's her life now and I, I don't know exactly the relationship the cops have a training session where they take they go to um, the strip club owners and they teach them about human trafficking and they teach them what to look for and the strip club owner says I think I have a girl like that they call her in um, and they say well sorry I'm getting ahead of myself uh, pause on that before this she tells she talks to a client and she tells her how she got into it and the client's like oh my god that's not right so they have a plan where he's going to drive up to the curb because she's not allowed to like, they control your movement. She's not allowed to walk out with the client. She's not they allowed to They got eyes do on it. her all the time. They got, they got, they have, to, they have psychological control. You know what I mean? Like total, and, and the door's open though. People come in and out, but do, the psychological control is pitch perfect. Drives up with his car. She goes running out of the thing, hops in the car, speeds away, and he buys her a motel for 30 days. Like, wow. Yeah. So she gets out. She calls a guy that she used to know who was really nice to her, and um, she's you know she doesn't know anyone. She can't go to her family. She's too ashamed at this point. The things that she's done make her unable to go back. Um, she calls a guy. He comes and he then pimps her, which I thought was remarkable. And this this is the thing that got me. The odds that you randomly call a stranger and that person is a pimp are a, a, I don't know, but it's like. It's a thousand to one. It's two thousand to one. It's ten thousand to one. I don't know what the exact number of pimps in the world is, but it is not most people. Maybe it's at worst case, two hundred to one, right? There was something in her clearly that was, and I don't, this is no blame at all, that was a magnet and was moving towards that and that experienced love as being used. And so this person that she could trust was the exact trust that she had learned to grow up with, which is that if you're using me, you're loving me, you know? And uh, Did she I, say this or this is your analysis? No, this is my, this, this is now because, my analysis. Because that is a crazy thing, that she found one person she contacted and it was a pimp that then pimped yes. her out. And to me, that Ugh. is not random. And again, this is based on, I was not uh, in this situation at all, but I have been abused and I understand what your detection radar system can look for in the world without you knowing it, when yeah. you think that you're escaping it and what can you, you are alienated. Safest. Yes, what feels right and safe is the situation that you, you are used to. just escaped from. Yes. Um, and yeah, so she gets this guy and then he starts doing the same thing with her. And then finally the police, you know, that's where, I, that part that I had told you previously. And what's remarkable again is, which I relate to, She's sitting there and she's reading. She said, "Just read the pamphlet." She reads the first page. She gets you in debt. Does this the other thing? Controls your motion. She goes, "Oh my god, this is the first woman that I met." And Anthony says, "Well, what about your current boyfriend? Did you put that together?" And she says, "No, I hadn't. I, I didn't put that together at all." Did they put that? They put it together has, on the podcast? No, or no. She has prior. no, no. She has now. But okay. she's like, At the moment that the cops were doing it, I could only relate it to the other situation which I had escaped, but I defended. The current guy that I was with. I defended him. I loved him so much. I loved him so much that I just couldn't. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and I think I share that one because it was a powerful story that I found um, was crazy. The other thing, there's a number of things. There were two people who shared their story one was a 16 year old guy, and the other was a 19 year old her. The guy who did it to the 16 year old is serving 30 years in jail because he was a minor and he had sex with a minor. The guy that did it to the 19-year-old is barred from going into strip clubs in Toronto because there's really no way to get this charge to stick because how do you prove psychological coercion? How do you prove- This it's is her boyfriend. The first people. Ex. They told her she had to. She didn't have to. They put her in a car. They made her feel uncomfortable. They gave her five drinks, which she was allowed. You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, what? Like what is the charge that you can get to stick? And I think this is what's difficult for people and the legal system, clearly, is to understand the power of psychological control that can be exhibited, especially, and this is over people that come from a broken background, um, which she, I don't, I don't know how broken, she didn't elaborate much, but a fractured relationship with her mother at the least, yeah. which made her drawn to this particular woman who was kind to her and then mean to her and then kind to her and then mean to her. Is there a... <laughs> renaissance at some point where she heals um well no i mean i think she's going through it now she's you know sharing her story she's trying to prevent these sorts of things from happening um and you know there was another thing that she said is that or i don't know if she said it or if i wrote this down there's a couple of things that i wanted to just say one is it's just like wow we get the guy who does it the 16 year old but the 19 year old we just have no recourse for as if and I, I'm not, to be clear, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't have gone to jail for a 16-year-old. As if the level of cognitive growth is so tremendous from 16, 17, 18, 19, that one is, one is a heinous crime and one is is a nothing. Is yep. like, yeah, we don't have a good way to handle that. Um, two, you, you need to legalize sex work and regulate it. Because when you don't, this is what happens with every industry. Like, you, you want to have alcohol legal? Well, we don't like alcohol. Well, then you get Al Capone. You know, like, what, what? Pick your poison here. People yeah. are going to purchase sex. That will never, ever, ever stop. Um, you need to, you need to legalize uh, over age. You know, and we can figure out what that age needs to be. But like uh, for adults, that needs to be a uh, legalized, regulated industry um, because you get worse when when it's driven underground. By, yeah, it's by scary. To,
2: for when I hear that, it just seems scary to be like we need to do this. And, well i feel I'm, the
1: same thing with with most drugs yeah um, it's
2: like that seems like a giant decision to legalize like it. it
1: yes look it, at alcohol man i mean geez how much how much we tolerate from alcohol but we wouldn't consider legalizing sex work when there's other examples of places like amsterdam that have done it that you can you know with levels of protection like it's not like this is a, an experiment that hasn't been run um
2: just like a world where it's every... You don't
1: have to. You don't have to. Well... But, yeah. Oh, to be clear, I is it me to tell people that... I don't the, mean legalizing what these people did to this girl. I know, I, mean, I know, I mean I know, legalizing, I like, this, the sex work aspect of it with check-ins and STD tests and, uh, you know, f- psychological profile people who come in and, and like, ch- you know, that sort of a, uh, a thing. Yeah. Because um, you can make it safer. Yes. Uh, and then there was another thing that... Which is that this sense guilt being the lever that is pulled, the getting in debt, and that resonance, I, to be clear, I, this is my own addition. I know this feeling of owing somebody something. I've carried it my whole fucking life. And I think that is what made me susceptible as a young boy to this type of a thing. Yeah. Which is, I, I owe you. I am, I feel guilty very consistently. And that that is the, the playbook is to activate guilt because the type of person who who that falls works for this, for it. yep, is the type of person who can't feel that's not my shit, that's not my fault. You didn't tell me. You owe me an explanation. You owe me an apology. But when that, for people that are hairline sensitive to guilt, somebody telling you that you owe them something and you, and any ambiguity there is they're right. Yeah. Um and I you know the way that that is uh ruthlessly exploited and then the further thing of shame which they then take and they you to get you to do all this stuff and they even hurt you even more and that makes you less likely to seek help. Yeah. That what they did the first night with her probably made her even less likely that they made it worse for her. Makes it harder to get out. I thought that all of that was Telling and important to understand from a psychological perspective of how abuse occurs uh in the world yeah i really want to
2: know like what occurred in the family setting for you could ask
1: her to come on yeah i don't know yeah um it's crazy so uh i'm seeing if i wrote down anything else uh and yeah that it's the second largest criminal industry in the world 150 billion dollars of human trafficking wow that's, that's worldwide, but yeah, it's a lot, At le- and again, these are estimates, it's not like you can go audit the books of this type of a thing, um, and this is related, though I wrote it down separately, um, I watched Cole Sprouse, I did as well, uh, on YouTube talk to Diary of the CEO, one, the guy is sharp, mm-hmm. remarkably sharp, and I was like, how did he get this? Because he talks about having a narcissistic mom who put him in showbiz at the age of eight months and, you know, and all of the issues that that created. Who is Cole Spross? He's the guy from my generation, from Big Daddy. He was the little kid Julian in Big Daddy. From your generation, he was on the Nickelodeon show or something. Yeah. And he's a twin. And he's a twin, which is why he was allowed to be in this because you can get more hours out of twins because there's child labor laws that say each child can only work so many hours a day so you can do more filming.
2: So if you know in the 90s, there was a bunch of twins in movies, yes. which now makes the whole magic of Hollywood seem a little bit dirty. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, go ahead. Well, again, it it was a well-intended so, thing, which is you can only, you, look, We want you want a kid in a movie. We'd like to have a movie that doesn't just have people over the age of 18 and yes. you can only work so many hours and that's, you know, whatever the Olsen twins and the this twins and the that twins yes, and they so play a ahead, single sorry. person. Yeah, Um, and I was just trying to figure out I was like why did this guy get it he did some therapy but he also describes having like how his dad eventually he wound up with his dad and it seems like the value of you know of course having two great parents is great but the delta between no good parents and one good parent is incredible like I don't know what else to attribute it to based on having listened to him talk but you know he's had some opportunities to go to therapy he's done some other things but he seems like he's got his head very well screwed on his shoulders given what he also describes as the narcissism of his mother to put him in these situations and the uh, churning out of child actors and the um, not physical but emotional tumult and confusion and you're the breadwinner for your family and we need you to do this and you're this, the theft of your childhood from you. Uh, To come out the way that he has, I'm like, I guess having, and I've seen this, having one good parent, having one person who can model empathy, care, being with you is uh, incredible. And I think that's a Gabor Mate um, quote as well, which is like what separates a difficult experience from lifelong trauma is one adult in the room, just one adult who can be with you through the experience yeah. or the, or the reliving or the recounting of it. Um, but really interesting interview. Highly
2: recommend it. And so that relates to the previous story because he seems like he had that in his father. And you're wondering about the girl in the, uh, human trafficking
1: story. No. If she could have had one or uh, not, not that I wonder about her, it was, but it's just, um, it's remarkable. Cause I, I know of people in similar situations where they don't have one, and the depth of confusion that they struggle with is... Immense. It's it's not like he has half of theirs. It's infinitely more confusion that these other people have. And I it seems trite to say, I watched a guy, but I think he's I think he's right. His name is Danny Morrell on Instagram. He says that to children, their mother and father are the masculine and feminine representation of God in the world. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, if you at least have God kind of on your side it means a lot in the universe but if god never shows up for you and what i mean by that is not to say that you need a christian god but what i mean by that is that this life this experience loves you and cares for you and want what's good for you and is not against you in an attempt to break abuse and use you for its own benefit your life is going to be radically different than someone who doesn't feel that that feels that this uh that they are here to be used, abused, taken advantage of. Exactly. God's love comes through uh, being used and you. trading Come, yes. or yes. And, in another and, way. And the best, you know, best case outcome if you don't do therapy is you is you find a way for the universe to use you and you exchange money for love for the rest of your life or, you know, like y- there, are, there are degrees of healthiness that are on that scale if you didn't have the parents and I'm not saying that you're doomed forever, um, but yeah, it's just... It's like such an advantage to have good parents. And it's a, and important to recognize <laughs> your operating system Yeah, as like that, if these
2: are your gods, like look yeah. back at what your patron saints taught you.
1: Well, this is, and I uh, think- Which is personally what I've been doing as well. Yeah, I don't want to, like we we talked a little bit about um women versus men with J.K. Rowling, but the privileges that people have, you know, people will talk about skin color or whether you're straight or gay or whether you're this. And I don't think any of them come down to your- boil down to the internal experience you have of life, the general quality that you see it as. So I don't want to externalize it, but if I did have to, it seems like broadly the love of mom and dad in a way that is lower on the narcissistic scale, lower on the um, emotionally abusive scale, higher on the amount of space that you are given to uh, experience the full gamut of human emotions without being threatened with... uh, being a pariah from the family if you get angry or sad or hurt or whatever. That is one of the biggest (laughs) privileges that people can have along with, like once you've got your material goods taken care of, food, water, shelter, um, and health, that would be the next one that I would put on the list of foundationally important to uh, feeling good in your life. And it's really hard to quantify. So people go, you're a guy. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. You didn't get to write that on your resume. You don't get to, you know, yes. there's no there's no special programs to make sure that we have fifty percent. <laughs> Mom of and CEOs dad were really abundant yeah. in their experience yeah.
2: of emotions while I was growing up. I'm gonna be a
1: great yeah. employee here. Yeah. And um, anyways. Well, not just that, that that we don't have a higher degree of tolerance and assistance for people that didn't get that, but we do have higher degrees of tolerance and assistance, you know, for uh, in our sister's workplace if you're a woman you get to take special confidence training that men are not invited to which is like what about the people that you are need orphans? what about the male orphan who is, you was know, yeah. <laughs> who needs confidence no he doesn't get to come because it's the the general ways that we uh are splitting groups today i do not think are the best ones to do it by right. um and you wanted me to talk about what is a woman? Is that right?
2: So that was a question on our podcast. If you want to do, uh, or sorry, our Patreon. If you want to move over to Patreon
1: now, unless okay. you have anything. We do on Patreon. Um, um, no, I'm happy. So the the D comes out on Monday. Hope that you guys check it out. Um, I'm working on it. It's actually yeah, check it out. I'm working on episodes one, two, three, and four. I'm really, really enjoying episode four, which is what I wanted to say. So, but I hope you get to episode four. Episode one is good. It's got the uh, it's got the graphics. It's got the Trump voice. It's got all that kind of stuff. So please take a look. Check it out. Um, and I'm very excited for you guys to see what we've got. Cool. Cool. Patreon. I'm going to talk about, I guess, what is a woman? Cause somebody asked about that.
2: Anything else? I've got, uh, about eight questions today and, uh, yeah. What is a woman
1: is one of them. And okay. then I don't know the others off the top of my head, but they're deep. If you We're want gonna get to, to get a we got more on the Patreon. It helps us keep the podcast going. So we appreciate you guys either way. Thank you very much. See you next week. Peace.